You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Oh, about a year and a half ago, I was in Israel. Uh, Back in November of 2018, I was with a group from our church, and we visited one of the prettiest places I've ever seen. It's called Caesarea by the Sea. You'll see that picture. It's there in Caesarea where the governor's mansion is located for the country of Israel, or at least it was in the first century. Caesarea Philippi is where Pilate lived in the state of North Carolina. The governor's mansion is found in Raleigh. In Israel, it was found in this place, Caesarea by the sea. Caesarea is also the place where the apostle Paul spent two years before he was shipped off to Rome for his first imprisonment. It's that imprisonment that we've been talking about in our study in the book of Colossians. I want you to see another picture, a picture that I took while I was there in Caesarea in 2018. That is the theater of Caesarea. It's beautiful, isn't it? In fact, if you look way down there at the bottom in a black blouse, that's Pam, my wife. This is a theater in Caesarea where scholars believe the Apostle Paul visited while he was there during that two-year period of time. Now, think about that. I had the privilege of walking where the Apostle Paul walked. That's a surreal thing. You know, that's what a trip to Israel does, and I know nobody wants to even think about a a trip right now, but I'm actually planning, I believe life is going to continue, and I'm planning another trip to Israel in July of 2021. We will return to normal. There will be ball games again, we'll be able to go to school and work, and and we'll travel again. So uh, if you have interest, I'll send you some information, July the 6th through the 16th, 2021. The point that I'm wanting to share with you is I thought about the Apostle Paul. I thought about those theater steps in Caesarea. I remember standing there and I looked down and I saw the theater, but then off to my left I saw the streets. I saw the boulevards of Caesarea. And I took kind of a walk back in time, thought about the fact that Paul walked there. That's a surreal thing. The Apostle Paul had his life turned upside down, just like many of us have had our lives turned upside down. And yet the Apostle Paul used his time in Caesarea, just as we must use our time now in this new normal. You know, we're indebted to the Apostle Paul because we come now to the end of this beautiful letter to the Colossians. And we do so where I'm thankful and grateful for the time that Paul spent in Caesarea and ultimately spent two years in imprisonment in Rome because God used that in his life too. Paul was confined, chained to a Roman soldier for two years. Think of that now. He was taken off of the the church planning circuit And he was placed in literally isolation under house arrest. You can't make this stuff up. This is where we are right now in the book of Colossians. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. 
Colossians chapter 4. As you're turning, I'll tell you that most of the time, pastors skip this passage. Literally from Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through the end of this letter, it's seldom preached. It's seldom taught. Yet this is still the Word of God. Now think of that. God, by way of the design of the Holy Spirit, allowed these words to be part of the canon of Scripture. So this too is the Word of God. So should we skip it? I think not. I think that we should study it just like we would any other portion of Scripture and reap from it that which the Holy Spirit has for us. What we have here at the close of this letter to the Colossians is really like a group photograph. Kind of like this group photograph. I'll show you a picture of a, of, of a bunch of guys. This is our, our construction team back last summer. And that's a bunch of fellows who are covered in cinder block dust. We've been working down in Mexico. We've got dirt and sweat all over us, and we're filthy, to be honest with you. But I love those group of guys. And, and I'll I show you that picture to just try to give you an understanding that the Apostle Paul is, is like going to describe for us in these last verses in Colossians 4 about the guys in the picture. And so today we get two of the guys in the picture, and next week we'll get the rest. You see, as we come to the end of this letter, Paul is describing to us the people that he knew he needed in his life so that he could still accomplish ministry even though he was not in confines with the coronavirus, but he was in the confines of a house in Rome because he was wait, awaiting trial. Very similar situation to us. And the Apostle Paul acknowledged that he had to have help in his ministry. The Apostle Paul, while under house arrest in Rome for two years, wrote what are called the prison epistles. The book of Colossians is one of those. And he had to have people deliver these letters. He had to have people help share the burden because he couldn't go anywhere. You saw in our skit, I appreciate so much our young folks and participating in that, but uh, we need help, folks. In times like this, we need one another to share the burden. The Apostle Paul knew that he couldn't do it by himself, and you know what? We're living in a time right now that we need one another. And we depend on one another. And we're going to get through this together. Let's begin to meet the people in Paul's group photograph. You've made your way to Colossians 4. We're going to read verses 7 through 9. You follow along as I read. I hope you, I know you're at home or wherever you're watching this, but I hope you'll open up your Bible. I hope you'll, you'll read. And, and let me say this to you. Let me say this. This is not something that's going to end again in a couple of weeks. We're probably into this for at least a couple of months. So, so I want to encourage you to do this. Like when the praise team was up here singing, I hope you will stand in your house, in your house. I hope you will get up off the couch, and I hope you'll stand up, and I hope you'll sing. Just like you're at church. Do not just be a spectator. 
you can still participate on the Lord's day and you can still sing to Jesus. So participate. So get your Bibles out or pull up on your phone. If you can do two things at once, you can watch this on the phone and pull up your Bible app and, and read along. Participate in this. Okay, you ready? Colossians 4 verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts and with him Onesimus our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you they will tell you of everything that has taken place so here we are the end of this letter and we're seeing men who are helping the Apostle Paul share the burden as I think about where we are and the things that we're dealing with I think about uh, from our skit to um, the, the situation that we're dealing with and helping one another. And, and what came to my mind was this picture that we're going to show you. This is a picture of Moses. And, and this is Aaron and her at his side. Now, I want to encourage you to do something. As you continue to look at that picture for a moment, I want you to do two things at once. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 17. And I want to show you this account. And I want to set it up by saying this. The nation of Israel had come out of Egypt, and they're now in the desert wilderness, and they're trying to make their way back to the promised land. But they are, are, are going to be attacked and they, they are being attacked. And so Moses is praying and he's crying out to God and he sends Joshua and all the warriors to go fight. And as he does so, he raises his hand with the staff. You see that staff? And as long as his hands are raised, the Israelite army wins. But as his hands begin to drop, they begin to lose. If you made your way to Exodus 17, pick up in verse 1. The Bible says this, All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on, excuse me, I'm sorry, jump down to verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever his hands lowered, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him. That was for him to sit on, and he, and he sat there. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. You see there, they helped share the burden. That's exactly what we're doing. We are fighting an invisible war right now, folks. We can't see Amalek. That's what makes this thing so annoying and maddening. I also want to say this, for those that live in Wilkes County, 
I want you to understand something. This is what I believe, okay? This is what Kevin believes. I don't believe it's a matter of, of if. I believe it's a matter of when that Wilkes County gets their first case. All right, let's just say that it now has come out, and let's just say it's been reported. Bang, it hits the phones. Are you going to panic? Don't panic. When there is a case that shows up, just continue to do what you're doing. We share the burden together. We don't live in panic. The Bible is clear. We're told in Scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. Fear and doubt creeps into all of our minds. And it's easy to go to these worst-case scenarios. But you and I must think on Jesus. Listen, you and I cannot entertain fear and Jesus at the same time. You're going to pick one to focus on. You're going to focus on the fear, or are you going to focus on Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is sovereign over all? Think on Jesus. Moses was helped by Aaron and her. You know, we're helping one another now. I think about our nurses. I think about our doctors, our paramedics. I think about our, our policemen our policemen and women. I think about our firefighters. Um, I think about the truck drivers and all the people trying to make things happen. It, it is amazing all that has to keep going on. And so we need to help one another. Look, maybe you're in a situation where work has been called off and, and, and you're stuck at home, but think about the people who still have to go to work. Now think about the people that you know in your circle of influence, okay? Maybe you know a healthcare worker. Maybe you know a nurse. Maybe you know a truck driver. Think about their family and check on them. Send them a text, send them a message, find them on Facebook and say, look, I figure you're probably still having to deliver. I, I, I figure you're probably having to go into work. Do you need any help? Can I go get something for you? Can I help you? Certainly think about the elderly. Think about the people in your circle of influence. How can we help share the burden? Okay? Keep thinking about others. Listen, as we think about others, we'll get our minds off of ourselves. Keep thinking about others. Keep thinking about how to share the burden. As we do that, we'll be able to get through this. You know, Ecclesiastes tells us something about this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, look at the, the screen. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Paul understood this, and that's exactly what he's describing here at the end of the book of Colossians in this group photo. I want you to see the first two that are named in our group photo. The first one's name is Tychicus. Tychicus. Go back to Colossians now and you'll see this. Go back to Colossians chapter 4, verse number 7. The C-H is pronounced like a K. 
Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now let me state the obvious here. If Tychicus is going to share about Paul's activities, then he had to be with Paul, right? Correct. He's had to been with him. He had to be with him. You know, it's interesting as I did some studying uh, from various scholars, some believe that that uh, phrase there that says fellow servant found in verse 7 actually meant that he perhaps spent some time with the Apostle Paul in confinement. Paul was under house arrest for two years, chained to a Roman soldier by a six-foot chain. Soldiers would swap off every six hours. So he got, Paul got four soldiers a day that switched off. Tychicus could have been part of that confinement. He could have said, I'm going to help the Apostle Paul and stayed in that house. Some have asked me, well, why was Paul allowed to live in a rented house? Because he was a Roman citizen. And he played that card. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. And because of that, they said, okay, you're, you're going to be able to stay in confinement while you await trial, and you're going to have to pay for it. How about that? So Paul, out of his own funds, paid for this rented house in Rome. And he was allowed visitors. He was allowed guests, and so some, some scholars believe Tychicus could have stayed there with him and spent some time with him. But nonetheless, here's the point I want to make. Tychicus was associated with a criminal. Think of that. Tychicus was not afraid to be associated with the Apostle Paul and take that negative social stigmatism. I want to ask this today. Are you willing to associate yourself with Christians who are standing on the front lines of, well, maybe some negative social stigmatism? Or do you back away from them? It's easy to get afraid, isn't it, as we talk about all these fears going on? Are you willing to associate with Christians who are in difficult spots? Tychicus did. Will you support Christians who are being hammered by the world? Or will you try to distance yourself so you don't get caught in the fray? Paul called Tychicus a beloved brother, a faithful minister. Let me ask you this. If the Apostle Paul described you that way, how would you feel about that? I thought, I thought about that. Could, if the Apostle Paul were alive today and he were looking at my life, could he describe Kevin Brown as a faithful servant and minister? That would be high commendation, wouldn't you say? Tychicus was faithful. In fact, I would use the word dependable. It's been said that the greatest ability in the world is dependability. Think of that. The greatest ability in the world, it's been said, is dependability. That was Tychicus. And you see, because Tychicus was everything that Paul needed him to be, it's why Paul could say such wonderful things about him. You know, Colossians is not the only place that Paul notes that he's sending Tychicus somewhere or using Tychicus. He did again in Ephesus. 
Did you know that Tychicus, I studied this and looked this up, he was actually from the town of Ephesus. I, w- I want to show you something. Take a look. Don't, don't turn there, but, but just watch this now. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this. He says in verse 21, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister, says the same thing he did to the Colossian church in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him, see how Tychicus is being used again? I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Now let's stop for a moment. I want you to think about something with me. In anything that we have read thus far in Colossians, or in Ephesians, Antiochus appears, just take, take my word for this, in three other places in the New Testament. There is nowhere in the New Testament that describes anything about Tychicus, like what he did for a living. And there's nowhere in Scripture that says that he has a degree, or that he's rich, or that he had a seminary degree. You know, I don't have a seminary degree. That surprises some people. I'm I'm grateful I read a lot of A.W. Tozer. He didn't have a seminary degree either, and neither did Charles Spurgeon. I'm not discounting a seminary degree. I'm just saying God can use anybody, anybody, and that includes you. Even though you might not think you're anything, God can use you if you're willing. And Tychicus was willing. I'm grateful that God uses nobodies, aren't you? Look, I'm a nobody from Wilkes County. I went to West Wilkes High School, graduated, went to Appalachian, got a business degree, worked in the business world selling hardwood flooring and doing financial stuff for 15 years, and God called me to the ministry. I'm a nobody. And God can use nobodies. Ordinary people, just like you, just like me. I think of Aaron and her. We think, we know of Moses, Aaron, her. Who are these people? Tychicus is responsible for so many things. I dug a little deeper about Tychicus. Tychicus is responsible for helping to deliver potentially five letters, or what we call books of the Bible, to their recipients. Remember the Apostle Paul wrote 14 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Now we got, you understand that? There's 27 books in the New Testament. Now all scholars agree that he wrote at least 13. I believe he wrote 14. I'm actually one of the ones who believe the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. That's neither here nor there. But, but I say that because I'm giving you that so that I can come up with a number. If Paul wrote 14 of the 27 books, that's 100 chapters of the New Testament. Scholars tell us that Tychicus carried either himself or helped to deliver these letters. The book or the letter to the Ephesians, the Colossians, to a man named Philemon, 2 Timothy, and 2 Corinthians. Folks, that is approximately one-third or about 31 chapters of the 100 chapters the Apostle Paul wrote for the New Testament Tychicus delivered. Do you think that Paul considered Tychicus dependable? Boy, I do. And you know what? I'm thankful for Tychicus. You know what? When I get to heaven one day, I'm going to track him down. And I'm going to say, I want to thank you for being FedEx. I want to thank you for being UPS. I want to thank you for being Brown and making this happen. Because Tychicus carried these letters 
across the known world to get them to these churches. Wow, think of that. I want to show you the first time that Tychicus appears in the Bible. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20? Turn to Acts chapter 20. What you're going to find when you get to Acts 20 is that Paul is completing his third missionary journey. Along the way, on this third journey, he's been collecting money. He's collecting money from the churches in Macedonia to help the mother church, which is down in Jerusalem where the church started, because thousands of believers are dealing with their, not coronavirus, but a terrible famine, and many are dying. And so he is collecting money. I want you to see this map. You're making your way to chapter 20 of Acts, but I want you to see this map. I want you to see Corinth on the far left-hand side of the map. See it there? He ended up there after being run out of Ephesus, which is in the middle part of the map. See the word Asia, and look down below the word Asia, and you'll see Ephesus. Paul was run out of Ephesus because he was preaching about Jesus. And the businessmen in that town of idols did not like Paul because as he preached and revival started sweeping through Ephesus, they stopped selling idols. It was killing their idol-selling business. And so these rich businessmen went to the magistrates, the police, and paid them off and said, you've got to get rid of this guy, Paul of Tarsus, because he's killing our business. And they paid him off. And they ran the Apostle Paul out of Ephesus. But that running the Apostle Paul out of Ephesus ultimately ended up getting him into the area of Macedonia. And off he went. And he went through those areas of Macedonia and he helped collect money to help the church down in Jerusalem. Now you've made your way there, Acts chapter 20. Pick up in verse 1, I want you to see this. After the uproar ceased, that was the uproar in Ephesus, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them he said farewell and he departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and then a plot was made against him by the Jews. As he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, there he is, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of the unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. You say, why did we read that? I wanted you to see Tychicus. Trusted men. You say, what do you mean trusted? They're carrying all this money. Folks, they're not carrying dollar bills. They're not carrying paper. They're carrying coins. They've been collecting money from the churches in Macedonia for a year. From the church at Thessalonica, from the church at Philippi, from the church at Berea. All these churches. And so they're carrying literally, who knows, maybe several hundred pounds of money. Folks, that's dangerous. Because it's kind of hard to hide that in a little, little uh, fanny pack right under your clothes, you know. 
And the Apostle Paul knew that Tychicus could handle it. And so he trusted him. I want you to, I want you to see just the journey that Tychicus made to even get to the Apostle Paul. Take a look at this map. Tychicus traveled a lot. Now, as you're looking at this map, this is a map of the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. But I want you to look at the left-hand side, and I want you to see Rome. You see Rome there in red, left-hand top corner. And now I want you to look in the middle of the map, and I want you to find Ephesus. Again, you'll see Ephesus there under the words Asia Minor, right in the middle of the map. Now, folks... The distance from Ephesus, which is Tychicus's hometown, you see the closeness of Ephesus to Colossae? Look to the right and down below Ephesus. You see Colossae? Okay. 1,300-mile journey, folks, from Ephesus to Rome. Okay, you know how far that is? That's like leaving Wilkes County and walking to South Dakota on foot. No planes, no trains, no automobiles. And not only did they travel this on foot, some of this was traveled by boat. They had to travel across the Adriatic Sea. That's a 353-mile boat ride. You know, that boat ride was not a carnival cruise line either. <laughs> no open buffets and entertainment 24-7. Man, think about that. Whew. All those cruise lines that have been stopped for now. No, when you traveled across the Adriatic Sea, you were traveling on a supply boat. You brought your own food. You brought your own little rolled-up mattress. You rolled it out at night and found any place you could find to sleep on that ship. Bottom line is, the trip that Tychicus made from Ephesus to Rome would have taken about a month can you see what a loyal and dedicated man Tychicus was? Seems like a pretty arduous journey, doesn't it? Hey, folks, we're on an arduous journey right now. We just left Ephesus, and we're headed to Rome. Thing is, we don't know exactly how many miles this journey is, but I'll tell you who, do, who does know, God. And there is a Rome you understand what I'm saying? This too shall pass. We're on a journey. Now listen, we can bellyache and gripe and complain. And I want to tell you something. When you start sticking a bunch of people in places together that they've not seen each other as much, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I went to a meeting on Thursday for the county leaders and I was invited to go. And one of the police officers stood up and he said, you know what, y'all need to pray for us police officers. And I was sitting there thinking, well, of course, we, we pray for them. And, I'm thinking, and then he continued. He said, I won't tell you why. He said, because you're sticking a bunch of people in confines, very tight, families who really aren't used to spending a whole lot of time together. You know what I mean? And they start to get on each other's last nerve. And I thought, boy, that's true. And he said, I'm concerned about domestic violence increasing. And us having to go out and try to break up fights for people who just really aren't used to being with each other all that much. And I kind of almost laughed under my breath, but you know, it's true. Hey, let's, let that, let's not let that be us. Let, listen, give each other some space even in your house. And listen, get outside some if you can. I think about those poor folks in New York. You know those people that live in apartment buildings? 
I mean, they're li literally, they're living in a 300-square-foot place, and they're almost in this shelter-in-place deal. Maybe they don't have an outdoor balcony. I'm just saying, you know, we're, we're blessed. Pray for those folks. Y'all ever heard of Anne Frank? You know, the, you know the young girl, her and her family, they, they were living during World War II, during the Holocaust of Hitler, and they were in Poland, and they lived in a 400-square-foot attic of a Jewish sympathizer for 700 days in a 400-square-foot attic. Folks, we can do this. Pray for those that have got it worse than you do. Let's keep our minds on, on, on others that need our, our prayers. You know, I think something else we're going to see from this, folks, is the blessing of slowing down. The blessing of slowing down. I don't know about you, but we all are at this breakneck pace. And, and I think a, a blessing that I, I wish that it didn't happen this way, but I think slowing down is probably a good thing for our entire country. Something else that I'm seeing is that there's a lot of people thinking about their mortality. And there's a lot of people starting to think about God. My phone has blown up. And that's a good thing. One other thing I want to say to the parents with kids. I want you to hear this. P-R-T. Did you get that? Parents with, with kids, especially young kids in your house. P-R-T. What is that? P, play. Let the kids play. Spend time playing with your kids. When you're playing with their kid, your kids, it alleviates their fears. They know this is weird too, okay? Something else, the R, P, play, R, read. Read to your kids. While they're out of school right now, one of the greatest ways that kids learn is by being read to. Read to them. Sit them down and read to them. They will cherish those memories. And the, the T is talk. Talk to them. Talk to them. Kids process things, yes, but oftentimes they might not verbalize what they're feeling on the inside. Talk to them. Ask them. Say, honey, you okay? You, are you afraid? Are you, are you, are you doing okay? PRT. Play, read, talk. And we'll get through this. And the Lord will help us. Something else great about Tychicus. I want to show you a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to understand that 2 Timothy is the very last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. In fact, this verse comes from the last chapter that he ever wrote. Paul is asking Timothy to leave Ephesus where he has been helping the church there. We've been showing you these maps. You know where Ephesus is now. And he's asked him to come to Rome. So Paul needs Timothy to come to Rome. And the question is, if Timothy leaves Ephesus, where he's kind of been leading the charge there in the establishment of that church, who's going to take his place? Who do you think's going to take his place? Tychicus. Tychicus. Watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 Paul's writing to Timothy, and in case Timothy was wondering, he says, Timothy, Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Think of that, Tychicus. No known credentials, no degree, no pedigree, just a servant's heart. He's going to Ephesus to take Timothy's place so that Timothy can go to Rome where Paul is in his second and final imprisonment. 
Do you think Paul valued Tychicus? Oh, you better believe it. You see, Ephesus, remember this, Ephesus was the mother church of all the churches that the Apostle Paul established in Asia Minor. All those churches that you read about, the seven churches in the book of the Revelation and in Revelation 2 and 3, you know, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Laodicea, Ephesus, the mother church. The mother church in Israel, what? Jerusalem. The mother church up in the area of Syria, Antioch of Syria. The mother church over in the area of Asia Minor, Ephesus. And so Paul knew that he had to have somebody, if he's going to take Timothy out of Ephesus, that would take care of that church. He sent Tychicus. One last thing about Tychicus. Look at verse 7 again. Notice the two words, faithful minister. Colossians 4, 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother. Now watch this. Faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. That word minister is diakonos. You say, that don't mean anything to me. The people here, here at Mount Pleasant understand what that word is. Diakonos is the Greek word for the English word deacon. What is a deacon? You know what the word deacon means in the Greek? Through the dirt. You know what a deacon is? It's not somebody, somebody that sits in some room making like boardroom decisions. It's somebody who's willing to roll up their sleeves and get dirt under their fingernails. That's what a deacon is. That's what a servant is. And that's how Tychicus is described. What about you? Would you be described as someone willing to roll up their sleeves and get dirt under their fingernails for the kingdom of God? It's easy to want to be served. It's easy to say, give me, give me, give me. It's a whole other thing to be willing to take that role of servant, diakonos. Now our last verse. One other man in the group photo and someone that we won't spend a lot of time on because at least for the folks here at Mount Pleasant, we just spent some time on this man, Onesimus. Look at it in verse 9. Colossians 4, verse 9. And with him, with who? Tychicus. They're traveling buddies. With Tychicus is Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Oh, yes, because he's from Colossae. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Paul describes this second man as a faithful and beloved brother, just like Tychicus. And he's with Tychicus, so he has been, we know, with the Apostle Paul in Rome. Now, those of you who were with us a few weeks ago here at Mount Pleasant, we had Worship Wednesday. We talked about forgiveness. And we talked about a man named Onesimus. This man, Onesimus. Onesimus, for those who weren't here, Onesimus was a slave. Yep, a slave. He was a slave to a man who lived in Colossae, and he stole from that man. And so to, to try to go hide and get away from anyone and everyone, he went to the big city of Rome to go hide and get lost in Rome. I want to show you this. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon, because Philemon is the name of the slave owner. The book of Philemon has been used throughout the centuries to abolish slavery. So thankful for that. Now, you're trying to find Philemon, you go, man, I have no idea. I, I get it. It's only one page. Find the T's 
in the New Testament, they're all together in alphabetical order. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And make your way to verse 10. You know, I think about Philemon. Philemon went to Rome because he knew he was going to have to find work. And Rome was where it was happening. It's, it's kind of like New York City for us Americans. And he wanted to get lost in Rome. And where does he end up? <laughs> he meets the Apostle Paul. How about that? Coincidence, right? No! There are no coincidences with God. None. Just like this coronavirus thing. None. People keep asking me, why does God allow the coronavirus? Listen to me. Free will. What? Free will. God gave Adam and Eve the right to choose in the Garden of Eden whether they would love him and obey him. Love is synonymous with obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. Obedience equals love. Love equals obedience. And God said, hey, look, Adam and Eve, I give you an opportunity to obey, to show your love. And if you choose not to, you're going to unleash and pull the pin and the grenade and the pen and the grenade was pulled. And so what do we have? Sin, which leads to death, decay, and disease. And one day the curse will be reversed. But until then, because we have free will as human beings, we're not robots. We get to choose whether we love God or not. We live with death, disease, and decay. That's why I'm so grateful that one, G one day Jesus is going to split the sky and he's going to come back and reverse the curse. But until then, we live with it. Until then, we live with disease. A coincidence that Onesimus showed up in front of Paul? No way. That was a divine appointment. Let me tell you something. There are all kinds of divine appointments happening right now in our lives. These appointments are happening by way of phone, by way of text messages, by way of, of Facebook Messenger, Instagram, Snapchat, you name it. We have divine appointments that God is orchestrating in our lives to be of use for him and his service. Most likely Onesimus was an errand boy for the Apostle Paul running errands to the market. He couldn't go to the grocery store, if you will. Onesimus would do that for him. And the cool thing about Onesimus is Paul led him to Christ. How about that? You know, I really believe that every single Roman soldier that was attached to the Apostle Paul got the gospel within the first 10 minutes of their little uh, six-hour stint. Philemon, you made your way there. This won't take long. Verse number 10, follow with me. I appeal to you. See, Paul is writing back to this slave owner, Philemon. He says, Philemon, I appeal to you for my child. You say his child? Yeah, his spiritual child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful. In fact, that's what Onesimus means. Onesimus means useful. It's a play on words here. Verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred Philemon to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but by your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted for you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. See that? He's born again now, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? 
I'm convinced that Philemon did receive Onesimus back. Because do you know who I believe? See, Tychicus was carrying the letter to the Colossian church. Do you know who I believe was carrying the letter to Philemon? Onesimus. And he walks into the home where he once served as a slave. And he handed that letter to Philemon. And I'm convinced Onesimus said, I'm sorry. And I believe that Philemon is in the canon of Scripture because I believe that Philemon forgave him. I believe otherwise we wouldn't have this in the, the canon of Scripture. You know, it's been said, when we come to Jesus, Jesus makes sure a person with a past has a past that's past. I'll say that again. When we come to Jesus, Jesus makes sure a person with a past has a past that's past. Aren't you glad? Maybe you're watching and listening today and you got a bad past. So did Onesimus. And so did the Apostle Paul. Do you remember what he did? Do you remember who Paul was? Saul. You know what he was doing? Killing Christians. Paul said this one thing. He said this in Philippians 3. He said this one thing I must do. What? Start more churches, save more people? He said, no. I got to forget the past. And I got to press on to the high calling of Christ. Don't you know that Satan tried to use Paul's past on him? Maybe Satan's trying to do that to you today. He's trying to use your past and tell you that you're a nobody. You are a nobody and so am I. But God takes nobodies and makes them somebodies. And God did that with Onesimus. I'm so thankful that God can use people with a past. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 tells us something really cool. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is, watch this, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For we are all one in Christ. Aren't you glad? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about this, that our past can be forgiven. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, that's thieves, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this, this next phrase, verse 11. And such were some of you. How about that? It's in the past. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. That's a fancy word, just as if I'd never sinned. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Onesimus was changed and born again. And one day, you and I will see him in heaven, those who know Jesus. I close with this. There was a man named Ignatius. He lived during the first century during the time of Paul and Onesimus and Tychicus. He was one of the early church fathers and was one of the leaders of the church in Antioch of Syria. Unfortunately for Ignatius, he was arrested and taken to Rome where he was brought before the emperor and was asked to deny Jesus. Well, he refused. And instead, he declared his allegiance to Jesus, and he was ultimately executed. However, before that occurred, 
while he was on his journey from Antioch of Syria to Rome, he was allowed to stop along the way, and as he did, he wrote seven letters. And these letters have survived. The letters of Ignatius. He wrote one of the letters to the believers in Colossae. Remember, we were studying this. In that letter, he greeted the church and he said these words, and I quote, In the name of God, I received your entire congregation. Now watch this. Listen. In the person of Onesimus, a man of inexpressible love and one of your bishops, I beseech you in Christ Jesus to love like him. End of quote. Wait a minute, what? Wait a minute, what? Onesimus bishop. What's a bishop? That's another word for elder. That's another word for pastor. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. And, and he, Ignatius wrote this letter to the believers in Colossae. Are you telling me, Pastor Kevin, that Onesimus, who was a slave, ended up becoming one of the elders in the church in Colossae? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Ignatius said that. You can't make this stuff up. From a, a runaway thief, slave to a pastor. You watching today, I'm not talking to the Christian now. I'm talking to the one who just somehow stumbled across this. Jesus loves you. Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sin. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit in the garden and sin came into the world, the plan of the rescue mission was set in place. And that rescue mission was the fact that a human being would have to come and make right what other human beings had ruined. Paradise lost. And Jesus Christ came to this earth by way of a miracle. He was born of a virgin named Mary in a little town called Bethlehem. And Jesus would grow to be a young man who would ultimately, at the age of 30, go down to the, the front end of the Dead Sea where the Jordan River empties into it, and his cousin John the Baptist baptized him. And a three-year ministry began. And Jesus proved in those three years that he was not just a man, that he was the God-man because he performed miracles. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, made the lame walk. Jesus was hated and despised because he went against the grain of the religion of the world. And so they crucified him. But three days later, he got up from the dead, proving that he was exactly who he says he was, the Son of God. And that same Jesus sees you in your living room, in your kitchen, in your car, in your den, on your back porch, on your deck, and he loves you. And Jesus knows everything that's going on in this world with this coronavirus, and he slowed everything down right now to give you time, time right now to call on him.
and receive him by faith so that you can be an Onesimus. Your past is past and your future is in Christ. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.